I want you to pray with me before I start preaching this morning. Father, this morning, I pray for Your Word to do its work. I realize this morning, God, that, that in our flesh, that we're not able to accomplish what You need to do in the Spirit. And so today, we pray and we believe that we open our spirits up to the Word of God. Your Word will do the work if we will open our hearts to it. We choose this day to receive the Word of God. I pray that you will anoint what I do and anoint the words that I say, and Lord, they be the words that you want to say to us. We believe we receive the Word of God. Father, our world needs to see the manifestation of your Word. We pray for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I want what the Bible promises. I want what it says that I'm supposed to have. Now, I'm also aware of this. Before I can have what it promises, i got to know what it promises. Unfortunately, most people are ignorant. Sadly, most Christians are ignorant of what the Bible has to say. We need to not be ignorant. In Hosea, the Bible says, God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In Isaiah, the Bible says that God's people are taken captive for lack of knowledge. What we don't know, the devil will use as his advantage. And so we must come to the place where we know what the Bible promises us. We've got to, we've got to understand it. We've got to know what he said. Faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith does not come by just reading the Bible. We must hear it. It has to be heard. Now, the best way to ever hear the Bible is to say it with your own mouth. One time somebody said that they were talking about how they were saying what the Bible said, and they were talking about being blessed, they were talking about being healed or whatever it was, and they thought, well, I'm just lying. And God spoke to them, and they said, wait a minute, if you say what I said, can you lie? What we have to learn how to do is to preach the Bible to ourselves. Sometimes the best thing you can do is stand in front of the mirror and say, now, 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 now you don't say, say your name, not mine, but I'm going to say, Randy, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you were healed. Now look at me, buddy. You were healed. And you begin to say what it says. Because when you say it, you get to hear it. In fact, when you say it, you hear it more differently than anyone else. Have you ever listened to yourself on a tape recorder or, or a CD? When you hear yourself, you think, is that my voice? Do I really sound, oh, that's do I sound that way? Because when you hear yourself, you sound good. <laughs> but sometimes when other people hear you, it doesn't sound as good. It sounds good when you hear yourself say the Bible. When you hear yourself saying the Word of God, it, you hear it with your inner ear. You hear it differently than any other way. Faith then can rise in your heart. You also can hear it by making sure you spend time every single day listening to the Word of God being preached to you. Don't let a day go by. Well, I just hear it on Sundays. Make it a point to hear the Word all the time so faith can rise, so you can have what the Bible says you can have. You need to listen to it, speak it. You need to tune yourself to the Word of God. See, do we want life as it comes, or do we want life as God has promised? Are we ready to have what God said, or are we just going to take whatever comes our way? Life should be fulfilling. If you think that you're just here until the Lord decides to take you home, 
then you'll miss out on what He's put you here to do. If you think, well, I'm just here till Jesus finishes my mansion over on the other side. It doesn't take Him long to finish a mansion on the other side. He speaks it into being. Okay? You're not here waiting for Him to finish your mansion. You're here to fulfill His plan. If you can still get up in the morning and breathe on the mirror and fog it up, you still have purpose. And God has something for you to do. And our job is to find out what that is to fulfill that in our lives. You see, we're here because we're on a mission to do what God called us to do. Well, but Brother Andy, I have messed up too many times. The Bible says, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. What He put you here to do, He still intends for you to do. He has never changed his mind. The Amplified says that verse, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. It says he never withdraws them when once they are given. He does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. He will not change his mind. You may have messed up, but his grace is bigger than your mess up. He knows what to do. You may have, have done it, but God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, The Lord said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God intends to do something with you. He intends to do something with me. Our job is to find that out. We just can't miss it. We can't be ignorant of the things that God has said. I heard about a woman who was a moron. And so she came running up to her neighbor in the driveway. And she was just jumping for joy. And the neighbor didn't know why she was jumping, so he just thought, well, what the heck? He started jumping up and down with her. You know, she's just all excited. And, and finally, finally, she, she said, I've got some great news. I've got some great news. And he says, well, great. Tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. So they stopped jumping. She's all out of breath. And she says, I, 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 I'm pregnant. I am pregnant. And he was so, you know, he was happy because they'd been trying to get pregnant for a long time. And, and he said, wow. She and her husband, he said, wow, I, I'm excited. That's great. And she said, no, no, there's more. There's more. There's more. And he said, well, what do you mean there's more? You, 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 you're, you're, you're pregnant. What, what's there's more? And she said, there's more than one. I'm having twins. And he thought, you just now found out you're pregnant. How, how do you know you're having twins? How can you know you're having twins? She said, she said, she said, well, that's the easy part. She said, we went to Sam's Club and we found that they actually have a home pregnancy kit in a twin pack. <laughs> and both tests came out positive. People are like that with the Bible sometimes. I mean, they're just thinking. They think it says something. They believe all kinds of silly things. We need to find out what does the Bible say. My job is to finish my course. When I arrive in heaven, I want Jesus to look at me and say, well done. I don't want him to say, what are you doing here? I still got some more stuff for you. What are you doing here? See, the Apostle Paul said he wanted to finish his course. He said, none of these things move me, talking about the things around him, neither count I my life my dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. I just want to finish the course. I don't want, I don't want the Lord, I don't want the Lord to, to say, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You ran the wrong race. You ran the race on somebody else's course. This is what I had for you to do. I want you to do this. I don't want to climb the ladder of success only to find out it was leaned up against the wrong building. I want to do what God called me to do. I want to finish the course. When I get there, I want, I, 
when I walk into heaven, I want them to say, yeah, good job. I don't want to walk into heaven and say, wait a minute, he's too early. Or wait a minute, he didn't finish it. I want to do what God called me to do. I heard about uh, there was a graveside service and it just had just finished and as soon as it finished there was a clap of thunder. Then, the, then there was a, a big bolt of lightning and then there was more thunder and more lightning and then the little old man looked up at the pastor and calmly said, well, she's there. That's the way I want to get there. I mean, when I get there, I want them to say, well, he's there. I want to have finished my course and do what I'm supposed to do. Amen. Let's just do what we're supposed to do. Let's finish it. I want you to look with me at a couple of passages of Scripture this morning. Look in the Gospel of John chapter 1. I'm there, man. I just want to be there when I'm supposed to be there. Finish what I'm supposed to finish. See, we've got those dreams and those things that God has called us to. We want to get there. John chapter 1. I'm going to start here in verse 15 of John chapter 1. And well, let's look at several, I mean, a few verses here, then we're going to look over in John chapter 10. John chapter 1, and beginning in verse 15, the Bible says, John, bear witness of him, talking about Jesus, and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now let me read this verse, verse 16 from the Amplified. Because that, that sounds weird. Of, and of His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. What does that mean? Uh, uh, from His fullness it says, we have, not are going to, but we have all received. It's past tense. We've already got it. We've all, from His fullness we have received and grace for for grace, here's the Amplified, I love this, for out of His fullness, His abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with. Past tense. We've already been supplied with this. We already have a share in this. We've all been supplied with one grace after another. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Shazam! That's good. Did you hear what it says? We already have we are, grace upon grace, spiritual gift or spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, gift. Heaped upon gift. That's good news. It don't look like it to me, preacher. I mean, it's not looking very good. The Bible says it's already happened. We've already been supplied with it. It's already come our way. Out of His abundance. See, Jesus isn't short on any of that stuff. Out of His abundance, it's already been supplied. Now look over in John chapter 10. Man, favor upon favor. When, when we go someplace, just understand, ladies and gentlemen, as we're looking for a new building, we have favor upon favor. People are going to be, people are not going to understand why they're going to do what they're going to do. I mean, that guy, when we rented this building, he still is scratching his head about why he gave us what he gave us. 
Favor upon favor, gift upon gift. And you know this verse of Scripture, John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I like the Amplified's translation of that really well. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus said that his desire for us, the reason that he came, is that he wants us to live our lives and enjoy it. Verse 10 of John chapter 10, Jesus gives clear instruction as to how life ought to be lived. We ought to enjoy it. We ought to have fun with it. The devil's going to do everything that he can do to steal it away from us. He's going to do it through finances. He's going to try to do it through our children. He's going to try to do it through our health. He's going to try to do it through everything that he can, every means possible, so that we will not enjoy our life. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life in abundance. Enjoy it in abundance to the full until it overflows. That's why the violent have to take it by force. That's what Jesus said. The devil's trying to steal it. We've got to take it by force because the devil doesn't want us to have it. We ought to be enjoying life. Life ought to be fun. See, the, the, the sad thing is most Christians don't like their lives. You ask the average Christian, do they like their job? No. Do you like, do you like your circumstances? No. Do you like your family? No. Do you like going to church? No. Well, why are you doing all that? Because I have to. We ought to have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Most Christians don't understand that if the circumstances of life fail to line up with the promises of God, it's our responsibility to change it. Wait a minute, wait a minute now. I'm not God. No, you're the child of God. We, we have to understand Sometimes we're thinking, well, I hate this job. I hate my wife. I hate this life. It must be the will of God. He must be punishing me. That is not why Jesus came. He came that we would have life, enjoy life in abundance to the full until it overflows. If, if you hate it all, either you got to do one of two things. Either you change your job or change you. I mean, you, you, you can't change... You cannot. I'm going to tell you, if you got the worst boss on the planet, you can't change him. But you can change your job or change you. If you got the worst spouse on the planet, you can change you. You can change what's going on. We need to understand Jesus wants us to change it by faith. The Bible says in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power after that, the Holy Ghost come upon you. Christians ought to be enjoying a life of power that brings the possession of the promise of God. We ought to be living a life of power. The word power in that, in that uh, passage in Acts 1.8 literally is the word dunamis, which means miracle power. But if you, if you look for the definition of the word power, here's the definition of the word power, just in English. It means the ability to get results. Power is the ability to get results. Jesus said you're going to receive the ability to get results after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Christians, as Christians, we ought to have 
the ability or to operate in the ability to get the results that are promised to us in the Bible. We ought to be having, enjoying life in abundance to the full till it overflows. We ought to have the ability to get that result. Would Jesus have said that if He didn't mean it? He meant what He said. He said what He meant. We ought to be enjoying life. We ought to be living in grace upon grace. Favor upon favor. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. Gift heaped upon gift. We ought to have the ability to get the result of the promise. Amen? And yet Christians, and not just Christians, people hate their lives. They hate what they do. They hate, I mean, have you ever gone to the restaurant and a guy, you know, they, he, gets, he gets his steak and it's cooked, it's cooked medium and he wanted it well done and he throws a fit? He's not enjoying life. You'd think if he could afford to have a steak at a restaurant, he could be a little bit happy. But he's not enjoying it. We have the power to get the result, the ability to get the result. Luke 10, 19, I'm going to read this one to you also. Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Jesus said it. Behold, I give you power over to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Now the word power here, the first time it's used, when Jesus said, I give you power, he uses the Greek word exousia, which means authority. He said, I give you authority over all the power, the second time that word power is used, is dunamis, which means ability or the power to get results. And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I give you authority over all of the ability of the devil. Now that's pretty nice. We have it. We got to exercise that authority. He says, "I'm giving you authority." The word authority literally means the right to command. He says, "I'm giving you the right to command that the devil's ability has been canceled." I give you the right. He said, "I'm authorizing you." to use my word, to use my name, to cancel the devil's ability to destroy you. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I, hey, hey, but I come that you might have and enjoy life. He said, I've come so that you have the ability to command and cancel what the devil wants to do so you can enjoy life. And so that enjoyment overflows into the world around you. We've been authorized by God. So we're supposed to have life. We're supposed to enjoy life. Let me read you another passage of Scripture. Look over in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Well, I'm going to read several verses. 14. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. Jesus said we could have life. Jesus promised life. He promised that, we would, that we've already been supplied with all this great stuff. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14, this is what it says. It says, But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Now here, let me just tell you what. You know what he just said? He said, The word is near you if it's in your mouth 
and it's in your heart. It's not going to be in just one. It's got to be in both. In your mouth and in your heart. When the Word is in your mouth and in your heart, you can do it. Think about it. What does the Bible say about your finances? The Bible says, financially speaking, the Bible says when you give, it's given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men will give to your bosom. In other words, the Bible says you don't have to be broke. I found out a long time ago that if I have $10 and my need is $150, $10 can't be the answer to my need. So what does $10 become? My seed. Because then $10 is my seed because when I give, what happens? It's given to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. People are going to come and give it to me. Okay, now I make that now my confession. Now I'm able to do it. Because it's in my heart, it's in my mouth. I didn't mean to get off on that right there. But anyway, let me go on. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Now the land is the promise of God. The land is the thing God's called you to. It's the destiny that you have. All right, hear what the Lord is saying. You mean you get the word. You, 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 you abide in it, and He said, then you love God? You do what the Bible says to do? You, you just you meditate in that, and you will live and multiply. It gets bigger and bigger. And God will bless you. And here's the verse I want to get to, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Here he is. God is giving us a multiple choice test. He says you've got to choose life. You've got to choose death. You, you, gotta, you can either choose life or you can choose death. You can choose blessing or you can choose cursing. It's a multiple choice test. And then he gives us the answer to the test. But choose life. You can choose either one. But choose life. He gives us the test. He gives us the answer. Jesus said He came that we could have and enjoy life. There are two systems, and we've talked about it for weeks. The system of God, the system of the world. He's saying, choose one of them. I've told you this before. If you fail to choose of your own free will, if you fail to choose, you get the default selection, which is the system of the world, because Adam gave it over to the devil and the system of the world. The only way to not have the default setting is to choose life. Jesus said we could have life. We read here that life is a choice that we must make. We also see here that if you choose life, you choose blessing and you choose good. If you fail to choose life, you choose death and you choose the curse and you choose evil. It's our choice. When we choose life, we choose blessing. When we choose life, we get blessing. Jesus came to bring life, blessing, and good, but we must choose it. We've got to make a choice. We choose that. So, choose life. Does that sound simple? 
Sounds sad. Just choose life. Just do it. Yet most people, talking about Christians, have not done it. I'm not talking about heaven here. Jesus isn't even talking about heaven. Heaven is certainly included when we choose life, but Jesus wasn't talking about that. Moses isn't talking about that. This is talking about God's life and blessing while we're here in the earth running our race. God wants us to choose that. So then the question is, how do you choose it? How, how can I choose life? It might not be as simple as it sounds because I think, I think I've chosen life and my life is messed up. I think I've chosen life and it just seems to go worse and worse and worse. Maybe I've misunderstood what the Bible says. Many people think to choose life is like going into the voting booth and you check the box and you walk out and now it's automatic. I chose it. Hallelujah. I chose life. Is that what choosing life is? See, the, the truth of the fact is it is not automatic. You've got to choose it, but choosing it is different than we think. Why would Paul say that we need to fight the fight of faith if it's automatic? If I could hand out a ballot today and say, choose life, and you check the box, and you walk out, hallelujah, I chose life, then you wouldn't have to fight the fight of faith if it was automatic. Why would Paul say, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Why, why would the Bible teach us that we walk by faith? That we live by faith? That there's a challenge here, there's a devil out there to try to steal from us? We find that the promises of God are available to those who will believe. So it's not just automatic. Today I must learn how to choose life. How do I do that? How can I choose it? How can I choose life? Well, I'm going to talk about how to choose life. This is a very practical message this morning. And I'm going to do my best to get finished with it. Choose life. How can you choose life? All the steps are very simple. But the first two are just kind of, I'm just going to run through these two because they're, they're, you already know these two. First of all, choose life, you've got to choose Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We must choose him. Jesus must be chosen as your Lord and your Savior. If you want life, it's more than just getting saved so you can go to heaven. Choosing life is choosing Jesus as the absolute supreme commander of your life. Saying, Jesus Christ, I surrender to you. What would you have me to do? I love you, Lord, with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. I love you with the, way I, with the way I feel. I love you with all my stuff. I love you with the way I think. I love you with all that I have. Making Him the Lord. Okay, that's how we begin to the choice of choosing life. We must die to ourselves in order to live life. Making Jesus the Lord. John 1.14, this is what the message says. I love this. It says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus, you now live in my neighborhood and you are the boss of my life. I never say to him, you're not the boss of me. I say, you are the boss of me. I do whatever you say. If I choose life, the first thing I choose is Jesus. And the problem with that is, is when we choose him, some people think that that means I've got to give up what I want. The truth is, if you choose him, you get to have everything you've ever dreamed of. But you've got to die to yourself. 
laying down what you think is the way to go, what you think is what you, what you ought to do. Life is the life quality of God, or life as God has it. Life is the fulfillment of His plan. Life is living a life that pleases Him. And believe me, He does not get pleasure when you're poor and sick and tired. Hello? He's not up in heaven saying, you know what, you've proven to me to be holy because you're poor, you're sick, you're tired, you're worthless, and you're no good. That pleases me. The Bible says faith pleases him. The Bible says he gets pleasure from the prosperity of his servant. God loves it when you do what he says apart from the way you feel in spite of all the circumstances, believing him and allow him to bring blessing to you because that's what life is. Amen. Just want to throw that out to you. Make Jesus Lord. We've got to do that. Number two, you've got to choose the baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's where the power is. That's where the ability is to get results. Choose to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Choose that. Get saved. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to take some time on these other steps. All right, we've got to take those. Take those. Flip over to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture here. Psalm chapter 1. Look what this says. The first Psalm. If I'm going to choose life, understand, if I choose life, I choose blessing. If I choose blessing, I choose life. Okay? So, if I find out how to be blessed, I can find out where life is. Or if I find where life is, I can find out how to be blessed or where good is. God is good, the Bible says, so I choose God, I, I get the blessing, and I get life. Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now wait a minute, here's what it says. It says, blessed is the man. If I am this man, then I choose life. The first step, the first step to choosing life is to choose the word. Here's what he said. I'm the Amplified, I love it. It says, blessed, and this is how I always read it or quote it. Randy is the blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable man. That's what I, I look in the mirror and I say that. You're blessed. You're happy, fortunate, prosperous, and to be envied. Do you ever do that? Well, that's just arrogance. Is it arrogant to say what he said? Tell you what arrogance is, is saying what he didn't say. That's right. To look in the mirror and say, you are just a no good, worthless, rotten scum of the earth. You're just an old rotten sinner saved by grace and you're lucky to get to heaven. That is arrogance. Randy is this blessed man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes. Here's the advice of the ungodly. Can I tell you what they're, what they're counseling you to do? They're counseling you right now to enter into their recession. That's what they've counseled you to do. Just watch the news every single day and you'll find out they're telling you that there's a recession and you need to be in it. Don't be late. They're telling you every single day on the news, be afraid, be very afraid. This is the counsel of the ungodly. Oh, the swine flu is going to kill you. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. Oh, wait a minute. That's not so bad. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. West Nile. West Nile. That's going to get you now. West Nile. That's going to kill you. West Nile. I mean, you need to be afraid because all these things are coming your way. I mean, you need to be cancer. It's going to be cancer. It's going to be heart disease. I mean, 
I was watching the news the other night, and this was amazing to me. They said on the news, they said, you know what? If you're overweight, you're going to live longer. They just discovered it. You live longer if you're overweight. So if you're the right weight, if, if, listen to me, if you're overweight, we've been, they've been saying if you're overweight, be afraid because you're going to die. Now they're saying if you weigh the right amount, be afraid because you're going to die. Everything they say counsels you to be in fear, to be afraid, to be afraid to walk to the mall because if you go to the mall, bad people are there. They even try to sell you stuff at the mall based on fear. If you don't buy it today, it'll never be this price again. Shut up. I'll come back tomorrow, and if you want to sell it to me, I want it at that price, I think you'll just do it for me, okay? Don't tell them to shut up. You've got to walk in love with people. I'm sorry. But we've got to, we've got to understand, we don't walk by their counsel. What they say is not what we live by. Blessed is the one who doesn't live by that. Let me go on. You choose life by not listening to that stuff. You choose life by not buying into their lie. You choose life by, it says this, nor stand submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk. I'm not going to stand submissive and inactive in there. When they say, oh well, you know, I know you're a Christian, but it's okay to do that. I'm not going to walk like them. I don't have to do what they do. Oh, brother, you, you know, some people are just born that way. What? Everybody was born into sin. Everybody was born into sin. Some people's sin is this and some people's sin is that. But Jesus died that we could be free of it. And I'm not going to be inactive and I'm not going to just sit there and say, oh yeah, I can just go ahead. I'm not going to judge other people, but I don't have to live that way. This is good stuff. I, I don't know about you. I want life. I don't want death. I don't want the curse. I want what this Bible says I can have. It goes on to say, nor, nor, nor does he sit down to relax where the scornful and the mockers are. I'm not going to sit down with you and make fun of the president. I'm not going to sit down with you and make fun of anybody because I'm not sitting there to do that. You notice it's a progression. You're walking, then you're standing, then you're sitting. Now, you're blessed when you don't know that, but here's where the blessing comes. But his delight and his desire is in the law of the Lord. It's talking about the Bible. His delight, his desire is in the Word. And in the Word, the precepts, the instructions, the teaching of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. That's how you get blessed. The first step to the blessing, and I preach this every week. I don't know why I have to preach it again this week. I just do. I just, it's in me. The Word is the first key to blessing. You want life? The Word. The Word. The Word. Then it describes how that person is. The blessed person, he'll be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth his fruit in its season. His leaf will not fade or wither, and everything he do, does shall prosper and come to maturity. That sounds like blessing to me. Sounds like life to me. I'm not dead in the water. I'm alive by the water. It's the Word that causes that to happen. Because see, when I delight in the Word, now I'm tended to by the water. That's the person that's blessed. I don't, I don't have to live in their life. I choose the Word. I choose what the Bible says. Flip over to Psalm 112. Look what this says. Since we're already there, we'll just turn over here. Look what it says. Psalm 112. 
the first verse. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed, here we go. If I choose this, I'm good. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Praise the Amplified. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Randy is the blessed, happy, fortune to be envied man who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. So I've got to figure it out. If I will just begin to praise him, revere him, to worship him, to just do what he says, and delight myself in his word, I choose life. Because I chose the word. I chose... I just can't go on without reading the rest, some of this other stuff. I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit. But he says in verse 6, this guy, this guy, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. When they say, your house will never sell. When they say, your factory is closing and you'll never get another job. He's not afraid of evil tidings. I, I love this next part. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. You ever have a dog fixed? Once they get fixed, they won't get unfixed. They're fixed. If my heart is fixed, it doesn't come unfixed. I stay fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. See the blessing. It'll drive fear out of your life. Man, you don't have to be afraid when you understand that it's taking that. I mean, the blessing is upon the man that delights in the Word. Deuteronomy 11 says this. It says, Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. He said, you lay them up. You put them in your heart and your soul. Here's the result. It says, That your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. That's life, man. You live every day loving life, loving what God... That doesn't mean you love all the circumstances that have come your way, but life and blessing come to the man or the woman that make the Word his priority. Make the Word her priority. Understand the Word is everything. What it says is what it does. Jesus said in, in John 6.33, He said, 6.63, He said, My words are life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us the Word is alive. The Word brings life to us. Now this is more than a casual Sunday-only relationship with the Word. Life and blessing come to the person who makes the Word his or her delight. When you delight in something, I mean, you think about it all the time. I mean, to delight in the Word is to be like a kid at Christmas time sitting in front of the Christmas tree. Just delighting in it. Because you love it. Taking the Word. Delighting in it. Unfortunately, there are no shortcuts. The Word must become the final authority in every matter of your life. I found out that my opinion isn't that important. What does the Bible say? What can I find in the Bible? The Word of God must have absolute credence in every area of my life. So the first, the first step to choosing life is choose the Word. Second step, you must choose to trust God. Look what it says. We, we were there in Psalm 112. Down there in verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Somehow you got to get past not trusting and begin to trust. When you choose the Word, then you can, you can come to the place where it's possible to trust God. If you hadn't been in the Word and you haven't made it your final authority, you'll never be able to trust God. 
You won't trust Him. You won't be able to. You can't trust somebody until you know who they are. You can only become intimately acquainted with God through the Word and by prayer. You can't trust... See, people think they trust Him because they trust Him in their mind. Or they think they trust Him in their mind, but when they come to the plate crunch time, they don't really trust Him. Oh, I'm going to tell you what, man. The Lord will deliver you. Well, I hope so. You ever heard anybody say that? Oh, pastor, I hope so. They're not saying I hope so. Because they don't know what hope is. Hope is a confident expectation. What they're saying is, I wish. I wish you would. That's not trust. That's wishing. There's a difference between having trust. See, real trust comes only as we spend time in the Word. Spend time with Him. Trust cannot come through just head knowledge. Look over in Psalm 34. Spend some time here in Psalms today, huh? Psalm 34, look what this says. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want of them that fear Him. The young lions do lack and suffer hungry, hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Amplified verse 8 says, O taste and see the Lord, our God is good. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who trusts and takes refuge in Him. The word trust here literally means to run to for refuge. To run to for protection. You'll never flee to a place that you don't trust. We've got to come to the place, ladies and gentlemen, that we really, really trust Him. See, He will do. If we'll understand, He will do exactly what He said if we will trust Him. Man, all I've got to do is trust Him. Just believe Him. Lord, You said that You would take care of this. I'm not responsible for the details here. I cannot, I cannot worry and have fear about things I have no control over. I don't need to have worry or fear about things anyway. But if I don't have any control, I trust You to make it work out. You've got to do this. I can't do it. I can't change him. I can't change her. I can't change that. But I trust you. I love that story of the children of Israel being attacked by this great army. They they didn't know what to do. And they said, you know what? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We look at you. We trust you with everything that we have. To choose blessing, to choose life, is to choose to trust him. I trust you. Look over in Psalm 71. Man, I'm just, giving, I'm just skimming the top of, of this subject here because there's so much in the Bible that talks about trusting the Lord. Psalm 71, I love this. It says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. When you trust God, you don't have to be confused. Can I tell you, if you're confused, you're not trusting Him. He doesn't give you confusion. If you trust Him, if you just trust Him, I trust you. I don't have to be confused. It goes on to say, Deliver me in Thy righteousness and cause me to escape. What? Cause me to escape. When you trust Him, He shows you the way out. He already knows. The Bible says He is Jehovah Jireh. That means, literally means the Lord who sees. He knows the way out. He knows what to do. We said it means the Lord who provides. He provides the way out. 
He provides the sacrifice. He provides whatever is necessary. That's who He is. I trust you. You cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. My refuge, my place to run to for protection. Thou hast given commandment to save me. He's already commanded it. He's already said it. Why would I be nervous? For thou art my rock and my fortress. Why would I not trust him? He's already commanded that I be saved. He's already canceled the confusion. He's already done it. Why would I be afraid? He knows the escape plan. He's got it all down. He is the only one who has it all down. The government has no idea how to get you out of your mess. They don't know what to do. I mean, they're going to throw money at something. They, you know, I just assume throw it at me, but they don't know what to do. You see, when you trust him, you're going to have these things. Some say, I've heard it said, oh, you know, if you expect the worst, you won't be disappointed when it happens. If you expect the worst, you're going to get it, and you'll never be disappointed, but you'll never be happy either. You'll never live life. That's not choosing life. You choose the Word of God. Isaiah 26, verse 3. The, 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 the prophet said, the, the, prophet, the prophet tells me, read it from here. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusteth in thee. The little phrase perfect peace is one of two times in the Bible where it says shalom, shalom. Shalom is is completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. It says, Thou wilt keep him or guard him in the place of absolutely nothing missing, nothing broken, completely unbroken, completely with everything supplied. He will guard you in that place whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in thee. Can I tell you how you know if you trust him? Where is your mind in the middle of the problem? If you spend the night worried about how it's going to get solved, if you spend the day worried about how the resolution is going to come, you don't trust Him because your mind isn't stayed upon Him. Pastor, how do I get there? You've got to make yourself think right. Whenever the worry begins to come, whenever the fear begins to come, you must immediately begin to find what the Bible says and out loud cancel the thought of fear. Cancel the thought of doubt. Ultimately what happens is you begin to think according to the Word of God. And your mind can be stayed upon Him. Instead of, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, it's bad. This is the worst it's ever been. Instead of allowing, you're focused now on the problem. Instead of allowing your mind to focus on that, focus on what did God say. He said I would be delivered. He said He has already planned my escape. He said He's already commanded my salvation in this process. I trust in Him. And if you trust Him, the next thing you're going to do is throw your hands up in the air and thank Him for it. So he said, he said, you know what? If your mind is on him, you're going to trust whatever you spend time thinking about. If your mind is on the problem, you don't trust. This is fun, huh? Man, I'm almost out of time. That's why the tithe is connected to the blessing. Because <laughs> it's about trust. It's about trust.
Adam and Eve were standing in that garden, blessed. I mean, you've got to admit, those two people were blessed, supremely blessed. I mean, they, all the food they wanted, man, they, he had a job. His job was to dress and keep the garden. That meant, that meant he was to protect it from the devil, and he was just to make it grow, make it bigger than it was. That was his job. And they had, I mean, there was no sin. They were blessed. God said, here's the deal, guys. You can have everything except that one tree right there. Don't eat that tree. It's one of the most beautiful pictures of the tithe in the Bible. And they said, okay, okay, okay. And the devil comes and says, hey, did, did God say? I mean, surely you don't think that's right. I mean, surely you don't think that if you keep the tithe, that that's going to hurt you? Surely. I mean, think of all the stuff you're missing out by not eating that tree right there. If you just eat the tree, you'll be like God. They were already like God. You'll know the knowledge of good and evil. They already knew the knowledge of good. Why get filled up with evil? <laughs> he said, he said, and they believed the snake. Now, I got, granted, it'd be tough not to listen to a talking snake. But they believed the snake. And the moment... They ate the tithe. The curse came. Who cursed them? Not God. They chose it. They chose it. See, the tithe is all about trust. I trust you. I trust you. Abram had the promise of God that he would be blessed. But today, he handed the tithe to Melchizedek. It was no longer a promise. He was now pronounced the blessed. He had the opportunity to be blessed. But the day he gave the tithe, Melchizedek says, you're the blessed. You are the possessor of heaven and earth. And now he's permanently blessed. The tithe connected him with the blessing. That's why in Malachi chapter 3, it talks about the tithe. Oh, we've already taken up the offering, right? It talks about the tithe. And it says you're cursed with a curse. Who cursed them? God didn't curse them. He said, if you'll just bring the tithe to the storehouse, I will command the blessing and the windows of heaven will be opened. That little phrase, windows of heaven, means floodgate of heaven. It's also used when God said that he was going to flood the earth with Noah. And the Bible says he opened the windows of heaven. He said, the floodgates of heaven are going to be open on you. See, the tithe, we don't tithe because God needs the money. We simply trust Him. And you know what? I've never given Him a tithe because it's already His. Because <laughs> it says the tithe is the Lord's. It's yours anyway. In fact, God, all of it should be yours because you're the one who gave it all to me in the first place. The windows of heaven are now open. I don't give to you, God, because I have to. I give because I love you. I love you so much. And I want life. I don't want to live my life in a curse. I don't want to separate myself from you. We must choose the place of trusting God. 
I want the tithe. I want the blessing released in my life. Amen? Now I have two more points that I'm not going to get there today. But you need to understand, I choose life. When I choose life, I choose blessing. I choose good. When I choose good and I choose the blessing, I choose life. I want to be this man who has the ability to get results. I do not want to live my life under the curse. I want to choose life. I choose today to have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. We need to make that our confession every single day. Yeah, but I feel, as I said, I feel like I'm lying. You're not lying if you say what he said. I choose life. Therefore, I choose the Word of God. I choose to take the Word and make it the priority of my life. And I choose, God. I choose to trust You. When everything may be falling apart around me, I trust You. Don't have control over all that stuff, but I can have control over whether I trust You. I trust You. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, today, I choose You. Lord, I run to You. I run to Your place. I run to You as the, as the answer to every need, every circumstance. I defy the fear. I defy what the devil is saying. I defy the counsel of the wicked. I defy it in Jesus' name. And I choose You. Father, I know this morning this world needs to see some Christians who know how to have and enjoy life. They need to see some people who are happy about being saved. Some people who are happy about serving God. Some people who've been healed, delivered, set free by the power of God because they have the ability to get results and they, Lord, they, Lord, they have been authorized to command. And they're doing it and living for God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this morning's message is not just a message, but God, that it go deep into our spirits that we might do the thing you've told us to do in this earth. That we might run our race, run our race with victory in sight. I thank you for it, Father, today. In the wonderful name of Jesus.